Well, it's episode 51, Paul. We've uh, passed the milestone, and uh, this is just a regular episode, I guess. Yeah, the uh, episode 51, the uh, the first episode for the next 50, I guess, right? <laughs> That's right. We've turned a corner. It's a milestone. And, uh, well, we won't dwell on that, but uh, in the theme of 50, I did want to share that we have a birthday for a listener. Um and that's our, our new, new, one of the newer listeners to the show, and his name's Andrew, and it is actually his 50th birthday today. Pretty awesome. Happy birthday, Andrew. So happy birthday, Andrew. And actually, Andrew and I, uh, we met for a social distanced, um, not really even a coffee, because I didn't bring one with me, but um, he gave me a little gift, almost a reverse gift for his birthday. He gave me a can of 50. <laughs> Labat 50. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm tempted to actually drink it in the episode. Yeah. Why not? What do you think? I think you should go for it. I mean, I don't know if I've ever even had 50. Well, so this is just for the listeners. Labat 50. Um, many people may have heard of Labat Blue, which is a pretty famous Canadian beer. Not the best beer in the world, but um, they made a beer called 50, which is... Um, Kind of like your grandpa's beer. Like, this is something your grandfather or maybe your dad maybe drank. Um, it's not a beer you would see, like, young people go and willingly buy at the beer store. I think it's appropriate. It is the 50th. It marks Andrew's 50th birthday. And since we're on episode 51, I think it's more than appropriate for me to have a beer right now. So, I'm going to open it. Yeah. Yeah, you do that. Okay. And I'm going to taste it and see what you- I think. Typically, yeah, Labatt 50 kind of has that reputation where you got to be over the age of 50 to be able to drink it. So mm. you're almost there. I, I think we can allow that to happen. Yeah. You, you look as if you're not sure as to whether or not you like it. It's got a definitely a, like a bitter taste to it, um, which isn't always bad, but... It's one of those beers mm. that it's not one that I typically would buy myself. Um, no, of course you wouldn't. Nobody buys 50. He had to hunt it down, apparently, and um, I'm sure the guy in the store went into the back and dusted off <laughs> a case and, and brought it out. But uh, thanks for the beer, Andrew, and happy birthday to you. Yeah. So as you, as I was going to say, as you drink your beer throughout this episode, uh, we'll just kind of watch for you to have a, have a really good time or slurring your words or saying inappropriate comments, that type of thing. <laughs> well, it's, it's one beer and I did have lunch, so it shouldn't affect me too much. But okay, let's, um, since the last update or during our last episode, we talked about the vaccines very quickly and uh, you were on your way to get yours. I think it was like the day before. So tell us quickly about your vaccine experience. Yeah, that seems to be a common theme these days is people swapping vaccine stories Um, because it is interesting in that everyone seems to have a different experience or different reaction to to getting the vaccines. Uh, I received the AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, same as you there, Clark. Yeah. And um, my experiences, well, the, the after experiences were kind of interesting. So I went last Wednesday morning um, during the day. That was a week ago. Yeah. Sorry, this is a week ago. Uh, Throughout the day, I felt perfectly fine. No effects whatsoever. And then later that evening after dinner, I felt kind of weak in the sense that, you know, that feeling when when you think you're coming down with a cold where you have kind of like the body aches and feeling a little bit chilled. Yeah. So, yeah, I felt like that on the Wednesday evening. Um, couldn't sleep very well at all overnight, uh, like Thursday, uh, waking up on Thursday. And still felt kind of off. Um, but by later that afternoon, I was feeling pretty good again. And by Friday, I was perfectly fine. Um, it's interesting you a- mentioned these sleep issues because I had the same effect. I couldn't sleep the first, like I was tossing and turning and I had mm-hmm. like these weird dreams and stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, and I've heard yeah, others exactly. say the same. My brother-in-law mentioned that as well, that he had this, uh, but I know uh, someone else who got it said nothing at all, zero yeah. effects, but his wife felt effects. So did your wife go too, or was it just you? 
No, just me. Uh, my wife, she's likely getting her vaccine next week because uh, she will be eligible to book through uh, through the provincial website. Um, so she'll in all likelihood get the Pfizer. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to, to hear this because most people I know who have received the AstraZeneca all seem to have very, very similar uh, side effects. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, I think the, the advantage is, uh, for the sake of 24 hours of a little bit of an inconvenience, the advantages still outweigh a- any negatives. Uh, just to be able to have that opportunity to protect yourself against COVID-19, to, to give you some form of protection. Yeah. How do you feel about it now? Like, do you, do you feel like you're halfway there and there's somewhat of a liberated feeling? Because you do need the second dose to get the full effect. But how do you feel? Do you, did you feel like euphoric? Um, no big deal. No real feeling about it. How did you feel? It's an interesting question because, yeah, when, when people obviously, everyone's viewpoints on getting that first vaccine differs a lot. For me, knowing that you need the second vaccine to get that full protection, um, I'm glad I've got it, and I'm glad I have some form of protection, but I'm still going to be as cautious as I was before getting the vaccine. I'm yeah. not about to go into any crowded areas. I'm, I'm still going to you know, use common sense and you know, be very practical and sensible about um, the risks that I take um with ex- with you know with exposing myself potentially to the covid um to the covid threat but yeah it's it's good to have that first vaccine and i view it as you know it's sense of optimism it it's it's great that we that we are protected that that we have at least one vaccine mm-hmm. in, in our arms right now um but we're not out of the woods yet our numbers are still high um, so we just have to still be be uh, very vigilant with this. Um, you know, you see what's going on in the states right now, where everything is. Most people are are vaccinated. Everything's starting to open up, and you know, I wish we were wish we were closer to that finish line. But um, you know, at least at least things are happening, and that that's a good thing. Yeah, the two dose. I think that's when we're going to feel like we're there. But uh, yeah, you know, the exactly. country's only at or the province is only at a 40% vaccination rate. So it's, um, mm-hmm. it's going to be a while before we get the, what we need to get to be able to open it up. And most people, well, and granted, we're talking about people within our own age group, which is people within their forties and above. Um, there's still a lot of people, a lot of younger people in their twenties and thirties that are, haven't even had a chance to, to even come close to getting vaccinated. Yep. Um, so for most of us, the you and me and, and most of our friends who have been vaccinated, we're looking at probably July or August before we get that second dose. So Yeah, they told and, me August. Yeah, I'm not going to feel fully protected until August. That's no. the way I look at it. Just I wanted to quickly share one other thing with you. I wanted to get your opinion on something. So this morning, I've, I've got an old pair of jeans, you know, maybe three years old, four years. And actually, that's not really old by jean definitions. I mean, some people probably have had jeans a lot longer than three, four years. But these jeans are starting to, uh, you know, show wear. And I got some grease on them the other day when I was cleaning the barbecue. And I'd, I was thinking it might be time to retire these things. And, and then before I threw them out I was thinking well wait a minute what should I do with these I mean do I donate them Mm, I don't think they really they're not going to be worn by anybody that these places typically don't want clothes with stains on them but as we have talked about in another episode about how they recycle clothing at some of these charity places it got me thinking, well, maybe I can repurpose them in some way. And so I, for a moment, I started thinking about, you know, they could be like a pair of jeans I'll wear when I'm painting. Or, mm-hmm. wait a minute, what about cutting them with scissors and making them into jean shorts? So you want to create some jorts, huh? <laughs> what is this, 1975? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Like, do you think that they would look like I would look good in jean shorts? Oh, geez. <laughs> I want to say no. Um, je- jean shorts are, are definitely died out at back, at least 
back in the 1980s, I would figure. Uh, hmm. So you're saying this well, isn't okay, a good idea. I, I would say no. Uh, for me, for, for myself, anytime I get, you know, jeans that have got holes in them or stains in them, typically I'll sort of set those aside for being jeans that you would use for yard work or yeah. jeans that you don't care about if they get ripped or get dirt on them, that type of thing. So I, unless jeans are in really rough shape, I typically don't throw them out because I'll always have a use for them. Um, right. I'm certainly not going to wear them out to a restaurant. <laughs> uh, and you're not going to make them into jean shorts. No, like there's always a need for ratty old jeans just for doing work around the house or yard work, or whatever. I don't know. With okay. those jean shorts, it's, I guess if you're just going to wear them around the house, maybe, but I, I wouldn't be wearing those jean shorts out to a restaurant or going out, out yeah. in the town. Well, it's just my coming. opinion. But hey, you, you could be a braver man than, than me. Uh, you could be a, a real trendsetter. So if, if you want to rock those jorts with pride, then go at it, man. I'll, I'll commend you. This episode is brought to you by Pace Painting. Pace Painting, serving all your painting needs, whether commercial or residential. Reach Pace Painting at paintwithpace at gmail.com or via their Facebook page, Pace Painting, Inc. Or call Peter at 289-356-7744. Paint with Pace. We're going to talk now about overused expressions. And this is a topic that we bounced around for a while and we've been putting some lists together of overused even words could could fall into this category but i think the focus was mostly on expressions and um and if we're even guilty of using some of these overused expressions so i know you put a list together of um some personal experiences i guess with overused words and expressions so um do you want to share a couple of yours and then i'll share a couple of mine absolutely yeah yeah, and I these can this... be used in work or business settings, sometimes both. I think when I thought of this topic, I was looking more at the ones that show up in work quite often. Mm -hmm. So, But whatever you got, let's, let's hear it. Yeah, so when we're talking about overused expressions, we're referring to kind of the, the cliche statements. And I was doing a little bit of research on this, and there's a lot of experts or linguistic experts that say that these types of expressions or cliches should be eliminated from your vocabulary because the thought process behind it is that it shows a lack of original thought, uh, making the writer appear to be lazy and unimaginative. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe that's a bit of, a, of an overstatement, but there is a lot of words or, or sayings, slogans out there that we are likely all guilty of saying at some point or another. Um, but words that when you, or slogans, I should say, that when you think about it are, are really are kind of useless things to say. So on my list here, I've, I've got jotted down a few. All right, give me um, your first one. Okay. To be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that one is overused because of course you should be honest with me. And I'm guilty of it. I say, honestly, this is how I feel. Or you know what? To be honest with you, Clark, I really just don't like those jean shorts you're going to be wearing. <laughs> <laughs> so the, there's a But time you didn't have to say that it. to me. You you could easily say, I think this isn't a, bad, a good idea. You, you didn't need to say. I don't need to say, to be quite honest with you, Clark, I don't like your, your jean shorts. Just say, yeah. Clark, I don't like your jean shorts. Keep it straight and simple. <laughs> so, yeah, that's one that, that is a bit redundant because you would hope that people are being honest with you. Like, why would you not be honest? Let's put it that way. You know, I've heard some criticism of this expression. The one thing I've heard people say is, well, if you say, to be honest with you this time, then people are going to wonder if you were honest with them before, which I, I don't agree with that, by the way. I, I, I actually don't agree with that that's going to create some doubt or suspicion that people haven't been honest with you. Mm -hmm. What I think the the reason why people use that is it's a way of getting people to listen a little more closely and to also 
tone down potentially the impact of what you're about to say. Kind of like those down toners we were talking about, kind of and sort of. Yeah, I was going to say that the next one I have is sorry, which is kind of one of those types of words that kind of soften the blow. Softens the blow. Yeah. And I think, well, I was going to say there's a a time and a place for it. Yeah, I think it gets attention a little bit. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's a way to say, you know, to be honest with you, like when someone uses those words, I think people tend to lean in a little bit to listen. Like, so I, I think it's more of a, a an announcement of something versus a, I'm really going to be honest with you now, although I may not have been in the past most of the time. Well, the problem is, is that these words are overused. So when you say to be honest with you, or to be, you know, to be quite honest with you, if you've used it five or six times already within a discussion, then it loses its impact. Whereas if yes. it should it should carry weight and to say, well, to be honest with you, Clark, it's like, oh, okay, that's when you should be taking notice. And that's why a lot of these expressions do lose their impact is because they are used way too much or used out of context. Uh, I mentioned sorry is way overused. And maybe well, that's Canadians can- are known for saying yeah, sorry can- a lot, right? Absolutely. Canadians like to say sorry. And, and we are they all say guilty sorry of it. If they- if they um, if they get in someone's way in like a in the supermarket or someone gets in their way in the supermarket, mm-hmm. a typical Canadian will say sorry. You know, well, when I when I talk about sorry, it's it's when you're you're injecting it within a conversation. Sorry, oh. but I don't like that. Or ah, uh, yeah. Also, oh, it's not apologizing. Could, it's well, you're, you're apologizing it? in advance for something you don't need to apologize for. Mm. Got it. Sorry, but I I just don't like that movie. Or sorry, I don't like your hockey team, whatever it might be. Why do you you use it? Do you use that word? Because I don't think I use it. I I don't think I do. Not in that Uh, way, anyway. Yeah, and if I do, it's very inadvertently. But I know some people who do use it quite a lot, more so than they should. And it's just... It just doesn't fit. It's it's not Mm. the right context. And you shouldn't be so sorry for your statements. Why are you sorry? Just say it. Yeah. Okay. What uh, else you got? Well, I got uh, at the end of the day, and yeah. I am very guilty of this. I will raise my hand on this one. I'm, I'm guilty. I, I say this probably more than I should. That one was end- on my list as well, and yeah. uh, I'm a definite offender as well of that yeah. phrase. Yeah. Like, it's not a bad saying, but it just shouldn't be used shouldn't be used too much. I don't know. It, it can be a bit of a filler phrase. Here's sometimes. a question for you. Um, I did find something about this phrase and it says here, what, what to use instead they suggested. And I want to see if you agree with these alternatives to at the end of the day. Um, they suggest all things considered. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, all said and done. Mm-hmm. We've heard that, right? After all said and done. Yeah. Um, and eventually, which I don't really see how eventually fits into that. Hmm. But um, all things considered, you think that's a better one? You you've, you think that's better? Yeah, I'd say so. I, I think know, so. Maybe, it's not as try common. To use that. Yeah, it's not yeah. as common. All right. All things considered. Yeah. Uh, I've got at this moment in time. Hmm. It's, it's kind of redundant because at this moment in time... Just say at this time. It, it, it's yep. kind of like a a, a, is a double meaning. I'm, I'm sure there's a specific uh, reference or a phrase to this, but yeah, that seems kind of a redundant or kind of a filler uh, sentence to say. I personally, mm, it's a bit like know, an honestly. I, I personally one. think to say I think. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is, Clark. It is what it is is a big one. I think is what it is or it is what it is became very popular not long ago. Like uh, it's one that's, um, it's either, it was around a long time ago and then made a comeback because I feel like that one Mm -hmm. has been said a lot in the last couple years. It is what it is. Yeah. And I'm I'm a little guilty of that one as well, but I, I try not to be, try not to use that one too much. I think Jerry Seinfeld made fun of that one. I, I use it as a way backs. to, I do use it as a sort of way to be, 
just to back up a bit and say, all right, you know what? It is what it is. Like nothing we can mm-hmm. do about it. Just to sort of calm yeah. everybody down or calm myself down. And we're not saying you never use these words, but just they seem to be overused or used out of context. That's that's what our point here is. With all due respect, I think that's overused. Well, yeah, again, you should be respectful. Why would I not be well, respectful to you? You know, but do you ever use those words with all due respect? I never do. Sometimes. Sometimes. I have trouble I, getting I, those words out, which is maybe a good thing. Hmm. When would you say hmm. that with all due respect? When do you, when do you, can you remember saying that? Not, I'm trying to think as to when I would have used it last, but yeah, I would be injected within a sentence, say, with all due respect, this is my viewpoint on this. Or, uh, with all due respect, and to be quite honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's just not an expression that I would even th- think to use. It just doesn't come off my tongue, those mm-hmm. words. So, I'm going to shift gears here. There, there's a couple of terms. These aren't so much phrases or sentences, but there's words that sort of bother me in terms of... Um, well, let me share wh- a couple of my... Okay, yeah, uh, my, you, you go first, yeah. Yeah, so, so the ones I had were um, hit the ground running... Yeah, yeah, uh, that can be overused. Uh, low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. That one's used a lot in our business. When we talk about sales, we'll be saying, you know, some of the low-hanging fruit we can go after is yeah. dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Um, get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And uh, game changer. Game yeah. changer. Yeah. Well, actually, what I was going to say is to sort of what you were saying about those overused corporate terms. That's what I was about to to say there is that there's some words that I think are way overused, like synergy. Yes. Um, I hate the term C-suite. I know it's used a lot in corporate terms to refer to like the- C-suite, yeah. Yeah, the corner suite. But man, I've been in some presentations where it's like, yeah, the C-suite, the- talking about the, the C-suite and it's overused so many times. And it's like to get into C-suite and you got to think about the C-suite. And it's like, I, I've heard people use it like four or five times within a sentence. It's it's one I, of those words that is way overused and I just don't like it. I've um, got one. Before we move on to the words that bug you, I've got, I think this might be the granddaddy for me. The one okay. that I I really, really struggle with. And that is what keeps you up at night? Yeah, yeah, that that that's kind of a stupid phrase as well. I like, actually yeah. heard it said today in a meeting. They asked a question of somebody senior. They said, "We'd like to know what keeps you up at night." And he, the, the response was actually, "I know this isn't going to sound very what you're looking for, but actually, nothing keeps me up at night. I, I'm quite content and quite happy with how things are." And yeah. And that's how they, they, That's how it should be. That's how it should be answered. But yeah, I, I think a lot of people like to say, "Oh, this keeps me up at night." Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's almost well. Like it's a, badge a famous of honor. one for when you're asking, especially in our business, like the insurance business, where you have yeah, risk yeah. managers and what keeps you up at night. It's a very common question that is designed to pull out. You know, what are the things we should focus on to help you solve? So if you're 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 keeping you up at night could be how do I replace people when they leave or how do I make sure my supply chain that never gets disrupted and so what keeps a risk manager up at night that's typically they ask that question to draw out things to make conversations or to highlight areas of concern that maybe yeah. we can help you with like a, a better question would be what would be your your greatest challenge or your your biggest concerns and maybe it doesn't carry as much weight as what keeps you up at night. You know, you have this image of someone lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, worrying yes. about what's going on in their company. I hope no one's doing that. Geez, life's too short for that. I think a lot of people lie awake at night, staring at the ceiling, wondering <laughs> about certain things. I don't think that's, yeah. I mean, sounds like no, you I get know. a pretty I, restful I, sleep, is, but. Yeah, I, I like to think I sleep pretty good, but. Yeah, I realize that, yes, people deal with stress throughout their lives. And, and yes, there is things that, quote unquote, keep you up at night. But I hope that risk managers don't spend every single evening when they go to bed staring at the ceiling, worrying about what's going on and worrying about, uh, you know, what's going on from the C-suite, that type of thing. (laughs) Hey, Uh, one thing I wanted to share, too, before you go is um, 
Andrew, who I had the beer with, or who gave me the beer, I should say, he had a specific, I'd shared with him that we were going to talk about this topic. And he said that he has one that uh, bothers him. And that's when people add and whatnot to things. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a useless. It's word a throwaway. Well. And whatnot. It's a, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's because redundant. you don't have any other way to end the sentence. So you just say, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. It, well, it, it's a weak, it's weak. It's a weak word, yeah. Like there's another thing that bug bugs me in words that are way overused, um, like descriptive words. Like just to kind of finish off what we were saying about with the corporate world, uh, blue sky is another word that's that's way overused, I think. Um, But even in everyday use, um, like advertisements, um, artisan. That's a word that is way uh, overused to describe stuff like artisan bread or artisan yes. spicy oils or something like that. Like yep. it's um, amazing. Artisan farmers, like yeah. farmers. Um, Everything is artisan. Yeah. 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 Um, amazing is a word that gets overused. Oh, that's yep. amazing. Or yeah, look at these amazing deals or you'll be amazed. Yeah. It's just, it's, it loses impact because people use that way too much. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got our, our if, if you really kind of pay attention to certain things, then it makes you realize how certain words or phrases really are overused. So next time well, you pick up, next time you pick up your flyer, take a look to see how many items within the grocery store have artisan on them. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so two words that I can't stand or that I really think when people say them, they're not doing themselves any favors. And that's basically... Yeah. No. Basically, this meeting is about moving forward to the next phase of our project. It's like, how about this meeting is about moving forward to the next phase of our project? How much stronger does that sound? Yeah. And the other one is actually. Yeah. Similar to the basically and the honestly. You don't need it. You don't need actually. Actually, what we're doing here is we're going to have this, we're going to have a meeting to, to address these issues. How about... We're going to have a meeting to address these issues. So much more powerful. I wanted to talk quickly about, um, we talked about this movie club. Uh, next episode, um, Justin, Salim, and myself have put together um, a, a documentary reaction to make up part of the next episode, which will be about the documentary Coded Bias. And uh, Coded Bias, in, in a nutshell, is in a nutshell there you go and there's another one yeah <laughs> it's it's about how certain biases have actually been coded into things like facial recognition and other big data and artificial intelligence and so we're going to break down some of the elements of that documentary so for those listeners who want to watch it it's on netflix uh it's only an hour and a half it's not a big one we did the pharmacist a few weeks ago that's a commitment for episodes but for those that want to listen to coded bias uh, we'll be talking about that on the next episode, Justin Sleem and me. We have to get you on one of those, Paul, if you want to join us. But you got to go with Tokyo hours. That's the only thing. That's yeah. <laughs> Saturday morning at 7.30 a.m. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm always up for a good discussion on documentaries because there's so many out there right now. There are. Um, yeah. The hard part is choosing which one you want to talk about. 30-day challenge update. I wanted to just quickly... We haven't committed yet because we said the last time we're going to really put some serious thought into this before we make any commitments. And I wanted to share with you a couple of thoughts that I had around this topic. And I mentioned this the last time. We wanted to have something real measurable, something we can actually say we did this for 30 days and we did this many of whatever it is or... We only did this for those 30 days. So I wanted to share a couple thoughts I had. One was um, recent, about two, three years ago, I was feeling, I've had like stomach issues and um, I won't bore everybody with all the details, but I've had it checked out. I've had ultrasounds. I've had colonoscopies, which people might be able to go back to one of the previous episodes if they want to hear the details of that. Um, I've had a, a lot of checks. I've had been through so many different examinations, but nobody's ever been nailed, able to nail down why I'm having these stomach issues. They're like cramps. And 
one of the things that I've always been told is that it could potentially be something like some inflammation, maybe irritable bowel syndrome or something like that. So I had watched this documentary a few years ago about this guy who does this juicing and he goes on a juice only diet for like, I think he went on it for two months. So I was thinking about potentially doing a juice diet to see if it has any effect on my uh, condition. Um, this guy had skin troubles and he said they cleared up after like three weeks. So I'm curious, I have tried almost everything else and it hasn't worked. They say nothing's wrong with me, but juice, a juice diet was something that I was considering doing. Yeah. You know, I really haven't heard of that juice diet before. Um, so yeah, if yours is something that you're going to be committing to, um, yeah, I think myself and I'd say the listeners would like to hear a little bit more as to how, how it works and the thought process and the, the, the benefits behind it. Um, yeah, as I said, I've, I haven't heard of it before, but to have a, a juice-only diet seems like it would be definitely some challenges. Or, or a real it is not easy to do. From, yeah, it doesn't sound like it would be easy. I've tried to do them, not for extended periods, but they are challenging because you've got to go buy the fruit or the juice. Um, it's And this is all vegetables for the most part. You've got to go out every couple days and buy vegetables because, you know, they don't last forever. Um, you've got to go through the process of doing the juicing while your family is eating regular meals, you're juicing and it, it's a pain in the ass. And, um, it does take a huge commitment to do it. And there's also a lot of criticism around whether or not, um, this is effective, like juicing diets, they don't have fiber. It's all like just the juice. So you're not getting any fiber, all kinds of issues around it that I've heard. And my wife's not a fan of the idea at all. So um, that was that was something I was considering anyway. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. Then if, if this is something you're going to take on, we'll definitely talk about this further for sure. All right. But it's not a decision yet. I'm still thinking about it. Okay. And what was the other thing you wanted to talk about? Well, the, the, other, we the both- other challenge? Before we kicked it off, we were talking about maybe doing something like 100 push-ups a day or some physical thing that we could say, for 30 days, we're going to do X number of, you know, whatever, sit-ups, push-ups. And I think that's one that you and I could probably get on board with. The question is, what's the right amount Mm -hmm. that we can actually have a hope of achieving? You know, do they have to be done all at the same time? Is it just... Like if we take sit-ups as an example, can it be 100 sit-ups a day, but you can do 20 at one moment, 10 at another, and and just have to add up to 100 each day? Would that be... I mean, I can't do 100 push-ups in one sitting. There's no question about that. I might be able to batter off 25, but... Yeah. So we would have to split that up. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. We we talked about making something tangible like that. I like the the idea um, of the the fitness component of it. As I said, it's very tangible. You can something you can count out, and you can keep a checklist uh, to track your progress. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely um, have further discussions on this, and we'll we'll report back with some what we've decided and and how we're going to track it and. Yeah, because we're. I don't want to commit until we are serious. Like, yeah, we got to yeah. know why we're doing it and be super committed. Because I, I can't come back to this audience <laughs> for a third or fourth time and say <laughs> I didn't your fans. do it. Yeah, well, can't and it's do also it. one of those things where if you make it tangible, then maybe some of our listeners might want to partake in this as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, the juicing and, one's interesting to me because it's one that I think will be an experience. Like for sure, there's you could journal about that. You could say, Here's how I felt after day one, here's how I felt after two days, here's how it's going, here's two weeks, and here's what's happening to my body. Like, I lost five pounds or 10 pounds, or you know, I can't, like, um, you know, I'm constantly going to the bathroom, not to gross people out, but that's (laughs) one you could actually journal about and, and, and experience. So that's why I was thinking that could be an interesting one. Yeah, we definitely don't need a, a journal of your bathroom activities on that one. <laughs> but yes, you're right. It, that would be interesting to have a, a journal of your experiences because, yeah, it's a big commitment and that'll be, uh, that'll be an interesting one to share for sure. 
So this might be a new segment that we have. There's actually two possible new segments that we're thinking of introducing. And um, the first one is what uh, we're calling our question to ponder. This, I got to thinking about this the other day. It, it came about because I think the name of somebody came up and a conversation ensued about how we thought this person was not the nicest person in the world. They were they were not honest. They have a bad reputation. And my wife said to me, wouldn't that, do you ever wonder, are people out there having that kind of conversation about you? You know, somewhere in the world, these conversations are taking place, you know, that there's that about you. And would you want to know about it if it was? So my question to ponder for you, Paul, is <laughs> if you could know every person you know who thinks you're an asshole or has an unflattering opinion of you, would you want to know? Boy, that's a great question. Um, I would say, yeah, I think I would. And here's why. Because first of all, I, I would like to think that there would be very few people out there that would think I'm an asshole. Um, if if someone truly thinks that I'm an asshole, then I'd be very curious as to why. You know, did I do something to piss them off, or was there an an attitude that I I gave back to them? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be curious to know why and. As I say, I say that with confidence because I don't think, or at least as I said, I, I would like to think there's not that many people out there, or hopefully none, that would have that opinion of me. But um, does that make I, a difference? The fact that you are pretty sure there isn't that opinion about you in well, you know, yeah, a, a if, high if, amount? If there is a lot of, surprisingly, if there is a lot of opinion, a lot of people out there that think I'm an asshole, then maybe that's something I should know. Um yeah, it's something that if you're confident in yourself, and if if you can take a little bit of criticism, then I think that's probably not a bad idea to, to know that. I'll be one of those people that, to be quite, I was about to say, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> you're lying myself. to me all this yeah. way so far, right? Um, I'm one of those people that, I guess, likes to be liked. And mm. maybe that's why I haven't entered into a career of politics because I probably don't have as thick of a skin as I like to think that I do. Yeah, you have uh, to if, accept if, 50% at least of the people not liking you. Exactly, yeah. That's a lot. So I, I like to be liked. I like to think that I'm I'm considered to be a, a, a nice guy or a, a decent person that hopefully I, I don't think I have any or, or hopefully many, very few enemies out there. Um, if I do have any enemies, again, I'd be very curious as to know what I did that, that caused that to happen. All right. Two um, questions for you then. So, um, first of all, do you want or need to be liked? Do you feel you need hmm. that? Oh boy, that's a tough one to answer. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I don't, depends on the context. Like it, Depends on the reason why. But yeah, I would say that I'm one of those people that, that likes to be liked. Hmm. And I, I don't want to be known as, oh, Provis, he's a real asshole, or, you know, what a jerk, or man, what a terrible person to deal with. Um, and especially also within the, the, we both work in the insurance industry, where reputation is very, very important. You don't want to burn mm -hmm. any bridges. You don't want to piss people off, because it, it comes back to, to bite you in the end. And really, it, there's no benefit to doing that anyway. Um, if if there is people out there that genuinely piss me off or people that I, I genuinely don't like myself, then obviously I'm not going to care if they like me or not. If I don't like Sometimes you, you do get people who will say, look, I don't need to be the most popular person in the room here mm -hmm. or I don't need to be liked. Yeah. And you know what? And that's okay. There is, to some people... They don't need to be liked by everybody, and and that's there's nothing wrong with that. It's they are confident in their own skin, and and I commend them for for being to having that confidence where 
where they can go about knowing that there is people that don't like them um, or are not happy with decisions that they've made or have treated people. Um, and that's just the way they are. I, I, I know a lot of friends, even in my own social circle, that, um, you know, have been known to be a little, I wouldn't say rough around the edges, but or you know, there's certain <laughs> there there's certain people out there that that you know that either you like them or you don't and some people are very comfortable with that um for me i guess maybe i'm kind of a people pleaser what what, what do you think what, what would your answer be on this one all right well i wanted to ask you one more question about this so if if i could pass you an envelope that inside it contained a list of all the people that thought negatively about you. It includes a list of friends, family, or could, could include a list of friends or family, w- colleagues. Mm-hmm. Would you open the envelope? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. Because if there's people on that list that, that, su- that might surprise me as to why they have a negative opinion of me, and some of those people I might want to repair that image. They said there's going to be or some clear people the that air you, or something. Yeah, clear the air or, or to clear up a miscommunication that may have happened in the past. There are some people out there that I don't care um, if they like me or not, but there's some people that I do care. And well, I guess that's some, a good question then is whether or not when you got that list back and saw certain people that had negative opinions of you, would you what what would you do? Because I often wonder don't we already know the people who don't like us in a sense, you know, like why do we need to see a list? So perhaps it's where we don't know they don't like us. Yeah. In theory. Yes, you're right. If there's people out there that you don't like, if there's a mutual dislike, then okay, then you move on. It doesn't really matter. But if there's somebody on that list that you like them, but they don't like you, then that's when it's like, okay, what's going on here? Let's, let's get together. Let's clear the air. Let's see what's going on. That's, that's where it would come into play. How about this? One more thought. You get the list and it somehow magically is able to get every single person in your life that has a negative opinion of you. You open the list and one of the people you know doesn't like you isn't on the list. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you know, like sometimes we think yeah, people don't someone, like us. Yeah, someone that you think doesn't like you or or someone that you don't like them, but they like you. I know it's yeah. sort of sounding going in circles here, but um, I don't know. It depends. It would. I might change my opinion. I think that would be great. Yeah. If there was someone I know has a, not a, that I think doesn't have a very favorable opinion of me and maybe I don't have a favorable opinion of them and I'm not on their list, I actually think mm-hmm. that would open my eyes a little bit to say, yeah. oh, that gives me something to think about. Well, it's true because then you'd be, okay, well, then why don't I, di- why is it I dislike this person then? What is the reasons then after all that? Or have you invented it in your mind that this person, just because they maybe looked at you a certain way or said something and that sounded negative, but they actually don't, they like you or don't mm-hmm. not like you. Oh. Yeah. So as far as me, what I want to know, um, God, I don't think so. I think hmm. I'm going to just find a way to get over the fact that not everyone is going to like me and I don't need to know specifically every person that has a, an, an unfavorable opinion of me because I think that would actually make it worse than not knowing. Like, for instance, I was in Japan for three years, and if I opened up the list and saw like 12 people I worked with in Japan that didn't like, that had negative opinions of me, what do I do with that? Start calling people, trying to repair relationships. Some of those people I wouldn't even be able to get in contact with, or wouldn't, mm-hmm. it would just be weird if I did. So I'm going to say no. I don't want to know. Hmm. Okay. Well, two differing opinions on that, but there's no right or wrong answer on this. All right, we're moving into something a little bit lighter. We got a little philosophical on that last conversation. So the next topic is um, 
one that I said we might make into a regular segment. The and it's the who fucking cares celebrity news. Segment. I like this one already. <laughs> I might have to uh, beep out my f words because I know there are some people that listen to this show with kids in the car, which is why I always make sure that explicit is in the description. But um, I don't know. I'll decide later whether I do that or not. But uh, okay, I didn't put these in any specific order. So there's no order. This is just, I'm going to name off a few. And, and um, if you think have an opinion on it, great. If not, no problem. I'll move on to the next one. So okay, this one is, uh, okay, Princess Charlotte. This is from People News. Princess Charlotte is dad Prince William's lookalike in new sixth birthday photo. Okay. Who f***ing cares? Mm, I, I, Doesn't yeah, everybody I look I like their kids? Yeah, yeah, it's it's not newsworthy. No, so you're right. My response is, who cares? All right, here's one. This is from Bravo. The headline is, we have an update on Luann DeLessip's dating life. <laughs> I can't even read it. It's so stupid. We have an update on, on Luann DeLessip's <laughs> dating life. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Why is this so, headlines? Well, my brother-in-law, he sent this to me and he says, this is a combined have no clue who the fuck you are and who fucking cares. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to beep these. Yeah. I've never even heard of this person. Luanne so. did, what was it? Luanne did Jessup? Never heard of her. Luanne DeLessip. <laughs> I know there are probably people listening to this and saying, you don't know who that is. I'm thinking of Justin. He always knows people like this. So if you're <laughs> listening, Justin, I don't know who Luann De- DeLessip is, and I didn't even bother to look her up, and I don't care about her dating life. Okay. Um, Harry, William, and the Monarchy in Crisis. Okay. Uh, do, I, do I care that the monarchy's in crisis? No. It doesn't really tell me anything. Like, we no. all know what's going on with the whole Harry and Meghan debacle. But, yeah, it's one of those useless headlines. It's like, yeah, we, we kind of know that there's issues going on in the royal family, but who cares? Let's move on. All right. Here's another one from um, Apple News. The end of Kimye's wild ride. A look back at Kim and Kanye. Okay. Well, you, as soon as you say Kim and Kanye, I can tell you I automatically don't care i i hate those two people so just those two individuals alone i would say i don't care but again even if you were kim and kanye fans why do we care about something like their wild ride like doesn't matter all right i got another one and the royals are showing up in these lists a lot um Pregnant Meghan Markle wears $230 maternity jeans to drop Archie off at daycare. Again, why is this news? Who cares? Why do and I care? Isn't that the it kind of rubbing it in people's faces right now with everything going on with the coronavirus that, yeah. like, you know, people are suffering out there financially. And then we get to read that somebody has a $230 pair of maternity jeans. Yeah. Um, and that they're they're dropping Archie off at daycare. Like these are the things that go on um in the world right now that are stressing well, it's not necessarily stressing somebody out, but like why but you don't these publications don't put articles out there that aren't going to get interest. Mm-hmm. So somebody thinks that's interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we we've kind of talked about the idea of the the uh I guess the clickbait. On a lot of websites, like Yahoo is really bad for that. And, yeah, they lure you in by some misleading headline. And when you read it, it's like, okay, I really didn't learn anything about this. <clears throat> yeah. A um, couple more. Megan the Stallion. This is the spelled T-H-E-E. Megan the Stallion announces she's taking a hiatus to recharge. Do you know I, who that is? I've heard of her. I think she's a rap artist. Hey, to yeah. some people, I guess it is big news. I could care less. 
and this one here, this is almost this is a topic we've thought about discussing before. It's the clickbait topic, and um, it's this is a, a new, an article, but it's it's got a clickbaitishness to it, and that is the correct way to wear your Fitbit or Apple Watch, and in brackets, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have you seen those clickbaits where it'll say, and you won't believe what happened or they'll cut off it half, cut it off halfway and say, wait till you see what dot and and it cuts off and you're like, I don't click on it. Some long, some celebrity you haven't seen in a while or wait till you see what they look like now, that type of thing. Oh God. Yeah. So somebody from some old TV show from the fifties, you won't believe, you'll gasp. Yes, when you see yeah. what they look like now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we, uh, we, we I think this is worthy of revisiting because I think we just touched the surface on this. Um, yeah, yeah. There's so many useless headlines out there that, yeah, it's always good to get a good laugh over them. This was a long. We've been building this list for a while, so I think I still have yeah. a few more I'll save. But uh, and of course, yeah. the list, the the um, negative or the the beauty of it or the. The sad part is that this list will always grow. You'll, you're, mm-hmm. We're not going to have any shortage of, of other things coming up. And as a reminder to our guests, please uh, have a look at our website. We talked about this.net. And uh, if you want to email us some feedback or questions or topic ideas, we're always open to hearing them. Please uh, email us at we talked about this 99 at gmail.com. And you can also reach us on our Twitter page, We Talked Podcast. Um, ways to engage with us. Always interested in, in hearing from you. And um, Andrew, I think he wrote me one one email, and we've used two or three of his topics. So we, we will use your topic, I promise. What we're reading, listening to, or watching, I thought we could change it up a little bit. We always talk about what we're watching, but... Um, why don't we share a little bit about what we might be listening to or reading, Paul? Okay, well, I can share what I'm what I've recently finished reading. Uh, it was a book. Uh, it was written by uh, Mary Trump, who is Donald Trump's niece. And if you recall, this was the book that came out back in the fall. This was kind of like the uh, the tell-all expose on the the inner workings of the Trump family. Um, obviously, Mary Trump is um, um, the daughter of Donald Trump's older brother, uh, the one who who died many years ago. Uh, the book is called uh, Too Much and Never Enough. Hmm. So when you're reading these books, you have to take into account there's an agenda. There's, there's a, you know, she, she has her own motives as to why she wrote this book, I understand. But... At the same time, there's a lot of information in there that is pretty hard to dismiss. Um, it's in our podcast. I know we've tried to steer clear of, you know, controversial political discussions, and I'm not. It's not meant to to turn this into a political discussion. But um, for those of you that may or or maybe you do like Donald Trump and want an interesting read. Um, it, it's it's interesting to, to read it nonetheless, um, but let's just say that it doesn't portray the Trump family in a very uh, positive manner. Um, Donald and uh, his his siblings, um, but especially Donald Trump's father, uh, Fred Trump, um, who was mm-hmm. kind of the the mastermind or, or the the person that sort of um, created Donald Trump as to the the person that he is. Um, yeah, there's some pretty interesting stories in there, and in terms of how certain family members were treated, um, it's it's an interesting, eye-opening read for sure. And it's not a long book, so it's it's a quick read to to breeze through it. Uh, right. But yeah, if if you're looking for some some scandal and some gossip, uh, yeah, go for it. Why not? It sounds it's, like uh, you might be one of these people that read these articles that uh, yeah. <laughs> that I was just talking about on Apple News. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Okay, for me, it's uh, it's a what I'm listening to, and since the virus situation, my whole work commute ritual of listening to podcasts and audio books just unfortunately ended. Um, so I haven't had a chance to read 
or listen to much on like audiobooks and podcasts lately, but I, I recently did decide to give it a bit more of an effort to listen to it, you know, when I'm just at home. And I wanted to shed light on, um, first of all, the podcast. I mean, I really enjoy listening to Tim Ferriss. He's got a podcast. Uh, it's one of the most popular podcasts in the world. I think he has 400 million downloads. He's a very popular podcast. Well, the episode I wanted to point to for listeners is um, one by a guy where he interviews George Mumford. And George Mumford was a mindfulness coach to Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And in this episode, he talks about all sorts of different things that I think are interesting to... um, to hear about, um, just ways of looking at life, different perspectives on things, being more mindful in general. And, um, there was a quote that came from it that, uh, actually it wasn't from George Mumford, but it was something that Tim Ferriss said in the episode. And that was, um, I want to get the exact quote so I don't screw it up here. Um, the quote is that which hinders your task is your task. We've all had like, we've procrastinated on things or stuff that we just aren't able to get done. And so the concept there is what is whatever it is that's holding you back, that is your actual task, not the actual task that you're being held back from. That's how I interpret it. So is this sort of like a getting things done type of approach? Yeah, kind of. Okay. I think so. In in getting things done, David Allen talks about what's the next physical action, which yeah, mm-hmm. very similar. That you know, I remember you had uh, remember you had wanted to power wash your the siding on your house when <laughs> that was one of your projects, and yeah. week after week it just wasn't getting done. And I think we we broke it down and we said, okay, well, what's the next physical action that needs to take place? Get a power washer. <laughs> Well, that was part yeah. of it that you wanted to do it, but you didn't actually have the washer in your possession. So I think the first, the next physical action was picking up the phone, calling your brother and saying, can I borrow your power washer? Mm-hmm. So to just say a power wash siding on house is not, is not a task. That's a project that has several tasks and some of which are before you can even get to the point where you're holding the sprayer in your hand and doing it, there are things you need to do before. So, um, yeah, it is, I guess it kind of is a getting things done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's so much information about that and there's so many different angles to approach that. And, you know, you and I have been involved in that, um, in, in many sort of different forms, uh, goal achievers, which I think we've talked about in previous episodes or at least, Mm -hmm. um, like a mastermind group. Yeah, mastermind groups. Um, but yeah, there's so many different ways of, of approaching that. And um, yeah, if this podcast sheds light on that and, and helps to um, helps individuals to, um, I guess, create action plans or to, to visualize or, or to understand what obstacles are in front of them, uh, whether they be you know, physical challenges, such as something as simple as just acquiring a power washer, whatever it might be, or if it's um if it's a mental obstacle, if trying to create the the motivation, or uh, you know, if you're intimidated by the the size or magnitude of a of a task at hand, you know, breaking it down, or, or um, you know, trying to get past those uh, those mental barriers is just as important. It is. Well. Listen to the episode because I think, and what I say to most people about Tim Ferriss is that the best way to get into him is have a look at all the episodes he's he's done and look at the guest lists and pick a guy you like. Pick, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Bob Iger, for example, from Disney is one of the people he interviews. Amazing, amazing uh, uh, interview. Tim does a great job of bringing in a lot of um, good questions. He really asks some interesting questions. Some are lighthearted and some are more serious, but, uh, I really recommend the Tim Ferriss show and in particular, the George Mumford episode, the Bob Iger episode. So that's, uh, that's what I'm listening to. All right. Good to know. And as usual, you'll, uh, put that information in the show notes so that people can access it. I will.
I will. All right. We've gone longer than we expected, but uh, covered a lot of ground. And um, episode 51 is under our belt. And again, reminder to watch the Coded Bias documentary for those that want to listen to our next episode, which uh, we'll be talking about. Uh, Mm -hmm. Salim, Justin, and I will be talking about uh, in the next episode. So with that, uh, any other thoughts, Paul, before we close up? uh, Yeah, just to say that, uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing that review on, on um, on the Coded Bias. All right. Have a good one. All right. We'll see you.